The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? Then do we have a podcast for you. Hello, Fire Whiskers. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The Debt of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. And try to stay on topic. Which is easier said than done. Without further ado, here's this week's chapter of The Debt of Time. Oh, I guess we should uh, say hello to the people. Claire has no languages today. Say hello to my little podcast. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Hi, podcast. (laughs) Come on, Scarface. So bad. Never seen it. Uh, I haven't either. It doesn't matter. (laughs) No one's fucking seen Scarface. Everybody just knows say hello to my little Max. Get down. Say hello to my little My dude. Oh, your breath is heinous. Don't yawn in my face. Yeah, uh uh-huh. You know why? Because you lick your butt. A lot. You got butt mouth. It's gross. So I've run out of languages, which makes me sad. So again, if you have a language that either you speak or you would just you just happen to know of that I have not. I know there's a ton of Eastern European languages and like name any of the stands. I know they all have their own languages. Um, I don't. So quite a few Asian languages we haven't touched. True, 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 true. Being a grown up with your parents is a, uh, that is a fun shift. I mean, meanwhile, my father, every time we watch a movie and like there's some debonair man and, you know, he's hitting on a woman and he's very suave and he picks her up and he, you know, convinced her to go home with him. He's like, and that's how I got your mother. And I'm like, ew. Gross, gross, disgusting. Didn't need to know that. Also not true, but <laughs> I picked her up in a letter. <laughs> no. Well, no, phone call, phone call. Because he called his roommate and he's like, so how's it going with uh, you and, insert my mother's name. And his roommate was like, eh, we broke up. And my dad's like, ah, bummer. Still got her number? <laughs> and his roommate was like, yeah, I do. Here it is. And so my dad, you know, calls her up and they have a conversation, whatever. My dad is in flight school in Pensacola, Florida. So he's living near the beach. He sends her a letter with a shirtless Polaroid of him on the beach. And I'm like... Your daddy be sexted I know! I was like, it's 1970 sexting! (laughs) Like, that was straight up a Tinder photo that he sent. And Kat will attest, my dad was very attractive when he was younger. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's <laughs> aged like fine cognac. He has turned into something of a silver fox. But it he he was a very, very good-looking 20 and 30-year-old. All righty. Well. What had happened was. What had happened was. <laughs> <laughs> my parents had to. No, okay. Kat, take it away. Well, speaking of parents, lilies have passed, unfortunately. Well done. Well, God, we have gotten good at podcasting. Okay, anyway. 
<laughs> it's like we're professionals or something. It's like we've been doing this for like five fucking seasons. Holy shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> I love the people who are like, I can tell it's, I can tell you get better as the seasons go on. And I'm like, thank fucking God. <laughs> like, season one is rough. Anyway, sorry. Continue. So, yes, Lily's parents are dead. Sorry. That was blunt. Yeah, I was going to say that was a little <laughs> bit forward, but okay. Who's turned into me now? <laughs> Lily's parents have passed into the beyond. And? And the ministry has fallen. But anyways. Um... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Lily's parents have passed away and everybody went to the funeral with her to support her because they are good friends. And Petunia and Vernon were being like really big jerks to her and... They were like, oh, yeah, we are selling the house. And she's like, well, where's all my stuff? Like, where am I supposed to go? Like, I don't have any family, blah, blah, blah. Even though technically my friends are my family. But it's like, dude. So they were being really big jerks to her about that and being pretty much like, we don't really give a crap what happens to you. And then I kind of called it in my head because I don't remember if I said this out loud. But it's like, yeah, the Potter Manor is pretty much like the equivalent to the Weasley's house and the movies and everything because everybody hangs out at the Weasleys. You did say that out loud. I was going to say like Meredith. I think I actually did say this last week was Meredith Gray's house. Everybody yeah. Lives here. Okay. Yeah. So everybody's like defending her and all this stuff and being like, you can't be like that and all and everything. So then eventually we get to the, uh, towards the end where somebody's like you lost the map so i guess they had the map and maya's like really you you lost the map like really so the marauders map is gone and then um apparently at the very end we have a little bit of a fred and george reference because she's like happy birthday fred and george and she tries to convince them that i guess they don't need the map and it's better for like future wizard or witch is too fine yes so peter had yes. the map uh peter lost the map to filch who confiscated it and threw it into his locked desk drawer sirius was gonna go was going to go get it out because james was about to kill him or no sirius was not sirius didn't know um they were going to try and go into filch's office to get it back and then maya said no just leave it we're about to graduate anyway you guys don't really need it anymore you know all the secret passages anyway just leave it. Let the next generation find it. The reason Peter had the map is because he was sneaking down to the dungeons to see his Slytherin girlfriend, who is a Mulciber, which is why no one is telling Sirius what happened, because Sirius hates all Slytherins, especially Mulciber, because he is a Death Eater. So it doesn't matter that his sister's a sweetheart, Sirius would be pretty fucking pissed off. Also, I would like to throw out there that the Fred and George thing that Kat was talking about. So the reason that came up. It's because it was the April 1st. Yeah. Yeah, But it's not just April 1st. It was April 1st, the year they were born. So they lost oh, the map shit. on the year that the twins were born. Oh, I never even, I never made That's that That's why she said happy birthday, Fred and George. Yeah. Well, it was yeah, their I, actual I, birthday. I knew April 1st was their birthday. I didn't realize April 1st, 1978 was their like birth right day. it should be aren't they aren't they are a they a year, year older no they should be two uh two years older but if they were born in april that would they're they would only, only a grade older no 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 the cutoff is september 
If they were born in September of 1978, they'd only be a grade ahead. They're born in April of 1978. They're so they are two ahead. grades ahead. Yeah, yep. that was so, right. That was, so that was right. That was their actual birthday. Yeah. So I remember looking it up at one point and um, realizing it was their actual date of birth. So, Well, it's fitting because they own that joke shop. So April 4th. They're also the ones that steal the map from Filch's office. Yep. Yes. And they're they, the ones that get it back. Yeah, they say that. Nicked it from Filch's office. First year. Also, speaking of dates of birth, this is hopefully falling very near to my child's birthday. So, we're going to start into chapter 79. Life isn't fair. Preach. May 31st. (laughs) May 31st, 1978. The Marauders and Maya had decided to stay at Hogwarts during the Easter holidays. The excuse was that they needed time to revise, but in reality, they all knew that Lily was not yet ready to return to Potter Manor and call it home so soon after losing her own. James stayed with Lily in her room for the first few weeks after her parents' death. When time permitted, Sirius slept on the sofa in their personal common room, saying he felt a strange need to be close to the witch now that he thought of her as a sister, to make certain she was all right. I love this balance of Sirius is with Jamie's sister and Jamie is with Sirius's sister. Like the fact, and the fact that neither of them are actually, none of them are actually related. It's all through adoption. And it's all through adoption with that bracelet. The mirroring is spectacular. Anyway. Maya didn't mind in the slightest as it gave her one extra reason to avoid Sirius's bed at night, where he would undoubtedly catch a glimpse of the scar on her forearm. Ooh, I forgot about that. After the horrible way he had reacted to seeing the purple mark on her ribs, she was not looking forward to this eventual discovery. The final Quidditch match of their school careers took place, and, as usual, Gryffindor dominated the pitch. While they won the game and the Quidditch Cup, Sirius was mildly disappointed he had not been able to knock Regulus from his broom, as the younger Black had not been present for the game. Rumors circulated that the Slytherin Seeker had been acting strangely, a bit morose since returning from the holidays, and his gaunt resemblance to a sixth-year Draco did not go unnoticed by Maya. Thankfully, With a silver Quidditch cup to make sweet love to, neither Sirius nor James took much interest in Regulus's whereabouts or appearances. Focusing on their unblemished Quidditch record and accompanying new fame was also helpful in diverting the attention that Sirius would normally be spending on Maya. Unfortunately, it had been over a month since she and Sirius had been intimate in any way, shape, or form aside from snogging. She knew she had to let the secret of her scar out, at least in part. Sirius was already becoming suspicious of the fact that she wouldn't let him touch her, which resulted in two minor arguments. One, where Sirius had a slight panic attack in thinking that Maya had rekindled feelings for Remus, and the other where he had actually blacked out after talking himself into thinking that she was pregnant. That one makes me laugh. Mainly because the amount of guys I know who are like, Oh my god, I got her pregnant! How? She gave me a handy in a jacuzzi! That's not how that works, sweetheart. (laughs) Also, my child will believe that until they are 20. (laughs) I'm going to, like, sneak that into a conversation just so they're... I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that. I encourage happy, healthy sex lives for everybody, including my children, that I really don't want to think about. But... Do y'all need anything? Some snacks? (laughs) (laughs) 
not going to be that cool. I'm going to be the mom who's going to be like, there's something in your bathroom closet. We don't have to discuss it unless you don't know how to use it. In which case, there's a banana in the kitchen and I'll show you. I will never ask. I may occasionally check. If it seems to be running low, I'll replace it. Don't get anybody pregnant. Don't get anything on your junk. Happy birthday. <laughs> and that's the sex talk I plan to have with my child. For a I'll second, this... I thought Kat was asking if you or I needed a snack or anything. I was like, thanks, mom. <laughs> I'm not like other moms. I'm a cool mom. Will you let him watch you give birth? I don't. Usually they're not allowed in. Like, there's usually rules about age limits for like you can usually have adult visitors but during the actual push process it really depends but also no it took me a second and i was like well he kind of has to be there for the birth because it's <laughs> well, <his."> subsequent children <laughs> it took me a second it took me a second then i was like oh that's not what she meant <laughs> no because i was just wondering because like with the last baby Hillary Duff had, she had it at home and she had her son there. Oh, yeah, he was in the understand. tub. Yeah, so it was like she wanted him to understand like the miracle of birth and stuff and like all that. And then she was just like, but he saw it for like two seconds. So I was like, Mom, I get it. Can I go? <laughs> like, can I go play on my Isn't iPad he now? Like eight or something, though. Like, that's yeah. exactly what an eight year old boy would say. Yeah. Also, my dog has his paws up on my leg and is like staring me down. But no, you were just outside. You've already peed and pooped and eaten your dinner. He's he's been extremely clingy the last two weeks, and I think he knows. He can tell. He can tell. He's been up my ass twenty four seven. So thankfully, with a silver Quidditch cup to make sweet sweet love to. Neither Sirius nor James took much interest in Regulus's whereabouts or appearances. Also, it only says sweet love, but I really wanted to say sweet, sweet love. So I did change that. I took artistic li- license and I'm not sorry. <laughs> Focusing on their unblemished Quidditch record and accompanying new fame was also helpful in diverting the attention that Sirius would normally be spending on Maya. Oh, right. Yes, I already read this one. Uh. We've read, like, a lot of this because Sirius almost blacked out after talking himself into thinking that she was pregnant. You certainly are reliable in a crisis, Maya said sarcastically, looking down at Sirius as he regained consciousness. I would say he's a bit dramatic, Remus said, having walked in on the tail end of their argument. (laughs) Tail end. The wolf. (laughs) Kills me. But when you and I hadn't shagged in a while, I didn't expect exactly behave very well to you acting all suspicious either. Then again, I only yelled a bit and walked away. I prefer to think of that as a tantrum, Maya said, smirking when Remus narrowed his eyes at her. Will you go and get the others? I want to get this over with. Everyone? Pack meeting. Marauder meeting. Bloody house meeting. Mary, Alice, and Frank will probably end up catching a glimpse if I'm not careful in the future. Considering two of them are going to be oars, she said, groaning in frustration, it might be beneficial to not have them come to their own conclusions. They'll understand, Remus assured her. Understand what? Sirius asked, his heavy-lidded eyes looking up at them. You are keeping a secret. Maya scowled at her boyfriend. Don't sit up yet. You hit your head when you fainted, you prat. I did not faint. Sirius glowered at the accusation, but reached a hand around and rubbed a sore spot on the back of his head. 
His narrowed gaze followed Remus as he left the common room. Why are you still keeping secrets from me, and why does Mooney know? Maya sighed, hating the accusatory tone he used. Because Remus was there when it happened. Sort of. I'll explain it all soon. How'd I end up on the sofa? Sirius asked, looking around curiously. Like I said, you fainted, she explained, running her fingers through his hair, moving her hand away when he went to grab it. Sirius glared at her when she pulled from him. So, if you aren't pregnant, he said the word on a sharp exhale of relief, and you're not sneaking around with Remus behind my back, he added, as Maya tossed him her best look of deep loathing at the mere suggestion. I said you're not, so stop at the evil eyes. After everything we've been through, I actually trust that if you had feelings for him, you'd just tell me. He sighed and leaped back into the pillow, letting her rub his head in peace. Why are you still keeping things from me? I've kept this one from everyone, Maya admitted. Not even Jamie knows. Sirius's eyes widened. How bad. I'll be making you all take a wizard's oath before I tell you, she told him, hoping that would imply the severity of the situation. But you should know that my secret has nothing to do with you. You are not in any way responsible. Why is she emphasizing that? I don't know. He was present when she... You know what she's talking about, right? When she got the scar. Yeah. Sirius was there and couldn't do anything about it. So this is her assuring him before it happened that nothing he can do can change the future. To quote Remus. Yes, and to once again say that if you would have just learned the L word. Learned occlumency. Yeah. L word? Loculumency? Shut up, Claire. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, the opposite of occlumency is legilimency. So, like, you were close. Alright. Um... Twenty minutes later, her friends and Peter were gathered in the boys' dormitory, where the door could be locked. Maya cast a quick, quick muffliato charm, just in case, before insisting they all take a wizard's oath. Predictably, James was the first to offer his wand, saying secrecy upon his magic, followed soon behind by Sirius, Remus, Lily, Alice, Frank, Mary, and, eventually, a hesitant Peter. Some of you already know this. I'm adopted, Maya whispered catching the surprised looks on Alice, Frank, and Mary's faces. Peter stared at her for a long while as though he were trying to add it all up in his head. I was a muggle-born, she explained, and watched his reaction go from confusion to surprise to irritation and mild disgust. There it is, Maya thought, a pure-blood Slytherin girlfriend for a few months, and he's already slipping. However, Peter's prejudices and damaged soul weren't her concern just then, if it would not looked suspicious, she would have preferred him not to be included at all. As it was, only his wizard oath was keeping him involved now. My muggle family was attacked by Death Eaters years ago, when they were gone, and I found myself without a family. The Potters adopted me. Is that your big secret? Mary asked with a smirk. Maya, you don't think we'd think poorly of you because you're technically muggle-born, do you? 
If that was so, then we'd a hexed Lily years ago. Lily smirked. If I didn't hex you first. Maya laughed and shook her head. No, I knew you'd all be my friends no matter what. I was attacked as well, you see. She cleared her throat nervously. It left a permanent scar on my body, one that can't be glamoured. However, when I came to Hogwarts, Professor Dumbledore was able to procure a potion that would hide the scar from everyone else. Unfortunately, it had a time limit. Remus had informed her that some version of the truth would be best, and she understood. The best lies were based in truth. Unfortunately, it appears that time has run out, and my scar has resurfaced. It's okay, Maya, Remus said, placing a hand of support on her shoulder. Remus knows? James inquired, surprised. I mean, when we were young and I saw... He gestured to her ribs. I asked Mum. She told me that when they adopted you, she and Dad agreed to let you start your life from scratch and that if you wanted to share your past, you would. I just... How come Remus knows, but not me? I'm your brother. Remus was there when the potion wore off, Maya explained with a shrug of her shoulders, not knowing how else to placate her brother. She took his hand and squeezed it tight, glad when he squeezed back, looking slightly reassured. And, frankly, after seeing his reaction, I wanted him to be here when I showed the rest of you. Please don't panic. James sat up straight, and Maya noticed that Sirius did the same, looking more on edge than ever. With great hesitation and a last-minute concern over whether she should just obliviate the lot of them and uh, wear long sleeves from that point forward, she pulled the sleeve of her blouse up, revealing the purple-scarred word in her flesh. They each reacted exactly how she assumed they would. Lily gasped at the sight of it and practically shoved James out of the way to pull Maya into a sympathetic hug. Maya could feel her friend, her sister, shaking, and couldn't help but wonder if Lily was afraid of something similar happening to her. James stood, looking confused and helpless, like he wanted to do something to help but didn't know what. Remus made his way across the room and put his hands on his shoulders, as if hoping to help ground him. Frank and Alice stood by with wide eyes staring, likely trying to remain calm and not show Maya an ounce of pity, knowing that it would quite possibly make the situation that much worse. Mary, on the other hand, had no pity, but plenty of anger. She reached out and took a hold of Maya's arm, staring down at the word on her skin and began swearing up a storm. Fucking death, you cunt pieces of shit! Merlin, please tell me they got what was coming to them. God, that was really <laughs> fun to do in that accent. Also, I think I broke Hannah back. <laughs> She's... Fucking Death Eater cut pieces of shit. I've heard people say shit like that in that accent, and it's even better. Exactly. Shia, fun fact. You didn't know this. You wrote her to be Southern. None of us knew that until now. Oh, that's delightful. <laughs> anyway... Please tell me they got what was coming to them. They did, Maya nodded, remembering a bleeding and gasping Bellatrix Lestrange. They suffered more than I did, that was certain. In the corner of the room, Peter sat on the edge of his bed, his eyes drawn away from everyone else, looking a mixture of nauseous and terrified. A part of Maya wanted to ask him how he was, if only to- Oh my god, the hiccups. Jesus fucking Christ. Fuck the sentence. Sorry. Hold on.
Scratch my eye, take a sip of water. Fucking Death Eater cut pieces of shit. <laughs> okay, Micah heard me say that that was made for that accent, and he just peeked in the door with the stupidest, biggest grin on his face, just went, what accent? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, I'll tell you later. Not you know now. where I think I kind of get some of the inspiration for it? Steel Magnolias and Weezer. Yeah, it is Weezer for sure. I love Weezer. She's my favorite. (laughs) Anywho, in the corner of the room, Peter sat on the edge of his bed, his eyes drawn away from everyone else, looking a mixture of nauseous and terrified. A part of Maya wanted to ask him how he was, if only to assess his current thoughts regarding blood supremacy in Voldemort. But she did not have the chance. There was a loud bang, and they all turned to see that Sirius had left the room. Where the hell does he think he's going? Mary snapped irritably. Maybe he just... just needs some time to himself? Alice suggested. No, James said, as he, Peter, and Remus made for the door. If I know Sirius, he's going to want revenge. He can't, Lily said firmly, as they all left the room, running down the stairs. Maya just said that whoever did that had already been taken care of. That won't matter, Maya frowned, regretting that she had not warded the room to prevent anyone from leaving before they all had a chance to calm down. If he can't find the Death Eater who attacked me, he's going to go after what he thinks is the next best thing. Minutes later, when the large group of Gryffindors made its way down to the dungeons, they found a bleeding Regulus black pinned against the wall, Sirius's wand shoved against his throat. There was a mad look in Sirius's dark gray eyes. Regulus actually looked frightened. Maya gasped at the sight and tossed Remus a panicked glance. He and James went into immediate action. Expelliarmus! James shouted, quickly pocketing Sirius's wand as it flew into his hand. When Sirius turned his rage on his friends for interrupting what looked to be a less, less than an interrogation and more like a demonstration, Remus took over, using his werewolf strength to subdue him. Frank jumped in as well, restraining Sirius's arms while Lily pulled her wand from her robes and waved it over his body, muttering, Somnus. Sirius collapsed into Remus's arms. Don't worry, he's just asleep, she explained, letting out a sigh of relief. Take him back to his room. I can ward the doors there. Mary, can you see about getting a calming draft from Madame Pomfrey? Mary nodded. Sure, this close to any WTs shouldn't be too difficult to get a hold of. Frank, Peter, Alice. James ran his hand through his hair. Could the three of you go to the Great Hall or head to the library? Maybe casually mention around that Sirius is taken ill. That way no one wonders why he's missing. When they dispersed from the dungeons, he looked back at Regulus, who was now sitting on the ground, cold eyes staring at the opposite wall, as he pressed his hand to his neck to stop the bleeding. What about him? Go, Maya insisted. Take care of Sirius. I'll be there soon. Maya... James stepped forward, his own wand clenched in his hands. Go! Once Remus, James, and Lily removed an unconscious Sirius from the dungeons, Maya knelt in front of the Slytherin and frowned. Let me see, she insisted, gesturing to his neck. Regulus raised his focus to her face and looked at her suspiciously. I'm not going to hurt you, she assured him, and rolled her eyes when he scoffed at her. I'm quite good with healing spells, but if you want to bleed to death, then by all means. We'll engrave your tombstone to say Regulus Black, stubborn arsehole. 
Rolling his own eyes, Regulus muttered, You and my brother deserve each other. I'll take that as a compliment, she muttered, prying his hand away from his neck to get a good look at the injury. The large cut was not deep, but it looked painful. Maya knew how good Sirius's aim was, so this wound was meant to be a warning. She examined it closely and held her wand up, running it over the slash to close it cleanly. Sirius has an issue with Death Eaters, she explained. After everything that's been in the Daily Prophet lately, he is bound to snap at some point. So, he attacks me because... Why do you think? She eyed him carefully, her gaze drifting down to his left arm. Reflexively, he pulled it close to his chest and stared at her, as though he were waiting for her to make the first move and attack. When his eyes looked less cold and angry and more sad and empty, she sighed as a thought occurred to her. You'll need Dittany if you don't want this to scar. If you don't want Madame Pomfrey to ask too many questions, I'm sure you could just summon Creature and he'd bring some to you, she suggested, watching Regulus's reaction carefully. His eyes widened only slightly as he, he stared skeptically at her when she said the house elf's name. I'll be fine. Oh? She tilted her head to the side, watching the wizard carefully like a serpent would before striking. Is there something wrong with Creature? What do you know? Regulus demanded, his eyes narrowing. It's starting, Maya thought, feeling a strange sense of dread and relief at the same time. Okay, so quick delve into something that happened in canon that was not well explained in the movies. You remember the cave where the locket was hidden, right? And there was the fountain and Dumbledore had to drink the stuff that made him, like, cry and go crazy? Yes. Okay. So, when they found the letter from R.A.B., which we know to be Regulus Arcturus Black, that says, I stole the locket, it was me, they went after Creature to figure out what the fuck that meant. Turns out what it meant was that he had, uh, the Dark Lord, Voldemort, had asked Regulus to borrow Creature. And had taken Creature to the cave, gone out to that island. Obviously, Voldemort isn't going to drink that crap. He's going to make Creature drink it. And so Creature had, so he you know, builds this fountain and he has the, you know, nightmare juice in it. He makes the house elf drink the nightmare juice so that he can then put the locket in there and then refill it. So when her, uh, Hermione, whew, man, haven't said that in a while. When Maya says, um, is there something wrong with Creature? She's wondering if... Lord Valdi has already taken Creature to the island to make him drink the crazy juice so that he can hide the locket. Also, to then get the locket, what happens is Regulus goes back out to the island. He drinks it so that Creature doesn't have to, gives the locket to Creature, tells Creature to destroy it, and then Regulus basically dies out there, we assume, by the Inferi, which are the little creepy crawly guys in the water. Because he, like Dumbledore, wants a sip of water afterwards, goes to drink it, gets pulled down by the Inferi, and doesn't have Dumbledore there to, um, you know, push them back with giant thing of fire. Make sense? Okay. 
Yes. So I just, yes. I wanted to reference that just because it's like it's significant because she's basically just told him that she knows the Dark Lord had him hide a Horcrux. So she's basically saying, not only do I know you're a Death Eater, I know you're helping him live forever. But Regulus didn't know it was a Horcrux at the time. He no. just was told, like, his duty was told that Voldemort need, was in need of a house elf that would ask no questions yes. and only obey. And so Regulus, being the good servant newbie that he is, offered up Creature. And the reason that is that you d- discover when they go find it in the cave in the book six is because... He got Creature to confess to him, right? Yes, but Creature was not supposed to survive. Voldemort intended for Creature to have the potion and need thirst and be dragged down by the inferior. And die. Like That's Rick. right. And then and, Regulus and, had and ordered Regulus him. And Regulus needed something, so he called him back. And so because of house self magic, he was able to disapparate out of the cave that had anti-disapparation stuff on it and was able to leave and live. And so because of that... Regulus has to hide Creature yeah, and pretend like he died, but gets Creature to tell everything that goes on and eventually gets Creature to take him to that same cave yeah, and go through the whole thing that Claire just explained. Does that make more sense? Neato Torpedo. You remembered parts of that. I did not. Well, I did not know that. That's what I get for not reading. <laughs> I know. That was kind of a knowledge dump. Like that's That's why I liked book seven so much. Is because they tie in so much shit. Because they refer to the locket, seeing an ugly, ugly locket when they're cleaning out the house in book five. Yep. It's a throwaway line. It's a throwaway line, and it's not. And and end of book six, end of most of book seven, is tons of throwaway throwaway lines from the previous six books having extreme significance that you would have never guessed. It's starting... Maya thought, feeling a strange sense of dread and relief at the same time. I know you're not a bad person, don't get me wrong. You were a little prick when we were younger. But I know that Sirius wanted to save you back when he was attacked. When they tried to mark him. She frowned at the memory and noticed the lost look in Regulus's eyes as he hugged his arm tighter. It's not fair that the two of you were put up against one another like this. Yes, well... Regulus cleared his throat. Life isn't fair. No, Maya agreed. It's not. You're not going to tell anyone? She shook her head. No. Why? He questioned suspiciously, his brows furrowing. She sighed, exhausted. A few reasons. Firstly, I think if Sirius were to find out for certain, he'd hate himself for what he might do in reaction. She explained, truthfully, remembering the deep hatred that Sirius had formed for his younger brother post-mortem in the future, only days before they had all discovered the truth about Regulus's defection. Secondly, I don't think you're one of them. Not really. And I think you agree with me. Regulus didn't react at all, merely stared at her coldly, holding back any emotion or hints of how he felt in regards to her words. Maya felt terrible that she couldn't help him couldn't save him, but she knew how important it was that he make his own decisions regarding Voldemort. Slowly, she stood, dusting off her robes and pocketing her wand. I'd avoid your brother for a while. We'll all be graduating in a few weeks, so after that it should be quite easy. 
She shrugged her shoulders and turned to walk away. Potter, Regulus called after her, and she turned to look back. After a moment of contemplation, he sighed, the cold fury leaving his features. Take care of my brother. Maya knocked on the door to the boys' dormitory and watched as Remus carefully opened it, revealing himself and James standing in the middle of the room while Lily sat on the edge of Sirius's bed. Maya frowned as she stepped inside, listening as Remus shut and rewarded the door. How is he? Pissed off, Sirius muttered quietly. His back turned from her as his face rested on his pillow. Maya sighed at the words and looked at Lily, pleading for a little more information. We woke him up to give him the calming draft. Sirius groaned behind her. Tastes like piss. Lily rolled her eyes. He's a little better. Better or bitter? Maya asked. Sirius snorted, but she assumed it was a sarcastic laugh. He also knows he's not allowed to leave the tower without one of us next to him, James explained. Arms crossed over his chest. Maya could see Sirius's wand still in the pocket of her brother's robes, for which she was grateful. I'd honestly like to keep that rule in place until we graduate. Fuck off, prongs, Sirius mumbled, and then growled when Lily swatted the back of his head. Language. You should be grateful that we're all being so calm about this. You attacked a fellow student, got caught by the head boy and girl and two prefects. But instead of reporting you, we are protecting you. I don't need your bloody protection, Sirius snapped, still not moving to look at either of them, or any of them. And I didn't attack a fellow student. I attacked a Death Eater. You attacked your own brother, Maya corrected him. The only brothers I have are in this room, right now. How's Regulus? Remus asked Maya, ignoring Sirius. I healed the wound on his neck, told him to find some Dittany so it wouldn't scar. She explained, but left out the details of the conversation she had with the young Death Eater. Sirius stirred at her words, his body stiffening. Yes, Sirius, I healed your brother so he wouldn't scar. You might have an idea as to how I feel about scars. We'll leave you two alone, Remus said, with a significant look in Sirius's direction. He gestured to Lily and James, and the three of them made their way to the door. James stopped and looked at Maya, silently pointing to Sirius's wand in his pocket as though asking a question. She shook her head and pointed to the door, indicating that he should take the wand with him, just in case. When the door shut behind them, she rewarded it with her own security charms to prevent Sirius from escaping again. She made her way back to Sirius's bed, where she crawled over his body and fell onto the other side of the mattress, facing the angry, yet passive wizard who was filled with bitterness and calming draught. Hi, she whispered. Hi yourself. You can't do that to me, Sirius. I know you were feeling helpless and you needed to do something, but if you're going to be an R, you have to keep your temper in check. When he made to argue, she cast a daring look that silenced him immediately. I got over this scar and this word a long time ago. She rolled her sleeve back up and showed him, watching with sadness as he looked away from it. Am I so hideous now? Sirius turned his attention right back to her, clearly offended by the accusation. Of course not, he snarled. 
We've all got scars. He reached his forearm up where an old faded burn scar rested from when Lucius Malfoy had tried and failed to place the dark mark on him. He glowered, comparing their arms as they lay side by side. Fucking Death Eaters. So this is why you haven't let me touch you all month? I didn't want you to accidentally see like you did the other one. She subconsciously touched her ribs. I wanted to figure out how to tell you first. Thought it would be easier telling everyone at once. Didn't think you'd snap and go on a rampage. What did you expect me to do? He asked calmly, and Maya was incredibly grateful to Mary for procuring the draft for him. While I might not have been conscious for it, Prongs told me that when I got attacked by Death Eaters, you put up security wards around my hospital room that a curse breaker couldn't even get through. When Remus was threatened at St. Mungo's, we all drew our wands on ours. Of course I would react violently to seeing that word on your skin. Well, we all need to get a grip then. Maya smiled and then let it fade away all too quickly. She brushed some of the hair from Sirius's face, letting the tips of her fingers linger on his cheek. I need you to promise me that you're not going to go after Regulus again. Sirius scoffed at the request and looked away from her. I mean it, Sirius, please. We're leaving Hogwarts in less than a month, and I don't want to start our lives with you being arrested for attacking your own brother. If I challenge him to a wizard's duel, it's perfectly legal, he pointed out. Maya growled reproachfully. Serious? Fine, he relented. Bloody witch making me not hex Regulus, he complained under his breath. As he closed his eyes, he tugged her up against him, nuzzling his face into her hair as his body relaxed. Yes, poor Sirius can't hex Slytherins, Maya retorted sarcastically. I know, he agreed, ignoring her tone. You've just got that kind of power over me, kitten. No hexing, he promised, still looking put out by it. I must really love you. Maya gasped at the words, but said nothing in return, not wanting to make a big deal out of it in case he had said them by accident. She held him tighter against her and buried her face against his chest before eventually drifting off to sleep in his arms. Shit, that's the end of the chapter! Damn it, that was really short! <laughs> what the fuck? I thought we had so much more time together. That felt like forever. Do you, Kat, do you have any reactions you would like to give about this episode, this chapter? Before we go into all this nonsense. Since Claire just was like, it's so short, we're done. And your thought was like, this episode's been forever. Well, because it, it felt like forever, but at the moment, not really. For once, I have nothing to say. Yeah, I was about to say, she usually has her face on when she's like, and she wants to say something. Yeah. She didn't have her face on, so. All right. I've no reaction. We do have a bit of exciting news. Uh, as you know, we've been trying to branch out a bit, guesting with people. We had the star of Potterlist join us at the beginning of the season. Kat and I were featured on the book Rewind for uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. And most recently, which is not very recent for you guys because you're listening to this in June and it happened in April. However, we want to make sure that we thank them so Big shout out to MuggleCast, who featured us on episode 510, The Best or Weirdest of Harry Potter Fan Fiction. 
We would like to also thank Hannah Beth for being our connection to MuggleCast and not only being part of the reason they talk about the dead of time, but part of the reason they talk about our podcast. Hannah Beth? Uh, yeah, the world of Harry Potter uh, podcast is tiny. And um, I have been friends with Eric, who's one of the hosts of MuggleCast for about three and a half or four years now. And he's actually the reason I got into podcast editing and producing. Like he taught me everything that I know, um, which thanks, is pretty cool. Eric. So thanks Eric for the quality that we have going on. Um, and so because of me and because of how we met through um, what was then uh, Potterotica and is now called Fangasm, we met through a kind of the online community there and we're talking about Harry Potter fan fiction and podcasts and that whole weird world and um yeah so he reached out to me because he knew I was connected to this podcast and basically this particular episode of MuggleCast they you know look at how fan fiction kind of like what it is where it came from why it exists and why and how it particularly exists in Harry Potter world so the hosts kind of asked for suggestions from their fans. Um, MuggleNet used to have a whole fan fiction section. I don't know if y'all knew that or not, but there used to be a whole moderated section. So Laura, who's one of the other hosts, used to be one of the moderators for it. So she kind of helped lead the discussion. And um, they asked for suggestions from their fans of, you know, great uh, fan fictions from Harry Potter lore. And The Dead of Time was one of the top ones on the list. So go Shia. And uh, Eric was like, hey, that's the only one I know anything about. So I'm going to go do some research on it and also going to go talk to Hannah Beth because she knows her shit. So um, apparently I know my shit about this story. What? No. Uh, <laughs> and so he has um, just really lovingly cared for it and kind of got some interest and sent people our way. So if you are listening to us because you found us from MuggleCast, welcome. We're so excited to have you. Um, and yeah, we're we're enjoying our little corner of uh, fanfic Harry Potter world. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I like... It's a very weird sensation to have people go, oh, I know that podcast. Like when Shubes recognized the name Fire Whiskey and Honey because we had been Patreon supporters at one point, which I did on purpose so that he would say our name. And, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, the book Rewind reached out to us and asked for us to join. It's just, it's, it is always a strange sensation because, and I've said this a thousand times, but, but like Kat and I never expected to have... I think in our wildest dreams, we thought we would have a hundred steady listeners like that. That was peak. We were like hundred downloads, hundred downloads an episode, hundred steady listeners. We got this. That's, that's what's going to happen. Buzzsprout estimates us at 580 steady listeners, but I know it's higher than that again, because on Spotify alone, we have 800 subscribers and so with Spotify being our biggest market and Apple Podcasts coming in a very very close second I would guess that Apple Podcasts probably has about 600 subscribers which puts us at quick math 
1,400 subscribers. That's fucking wild. That mind-blowing. You know, owe a lot to um, Fanatical Fix and where to find them for establishing the Wizarding Wireless Network where we can, or collection, where we can all hang out and meet up with other podcasters. You know, we've supported Goblet of Wine when they were dealing with copyright issues. We've, my dog is very tired of me talking, so I will wrap this up, but it's just, it's really wonderful to be recognized by other podcasts and to make those connections and to be recognized for being a prominent Harry Potter podcast. And for that, we have our fans to thank. So thank you, fans. And now it's time to thank our Patreons, the Foxes, Camille, Jackie, Muggle Trucker, Carissa, Rachel, Becky, Rebecca, Kara, Sandra, Leanne, Chris, Michelle, Cassie, Amber, Ryder, Ryland, Ash, Crystal, Heather, Sarah, Olivia, Laura, Sylvia, Sarah, Chelsea, Jenny Fleur, Emma, Kay, Claire, Jillian, Melissa, Audrey, Martina, Roshan, Hannah, Shannon, Sarah, Paige, Lynn, Shelby, Nevi, Tori, Amanda, Dark Wizard Kenny, Dan, Samantha, Stacy, Miriam, Sarah, Michelle, Fro Holly, Kara. Thank you, thank you, thank you for giving us your hard-earned muggle plastic and galleons. And now we would like to thank the dog stags and wolves, Oda, Catherine, A.B., Moaning Dita, and Meredith. And thank you again to all of our patrons for giving us your hard-earned galleons and muggle plastic. And we will see you next. Fire Whiskey Friday. Whatcha? <laughs> I feel rebellious we did it the other way around. That was weird. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire, Whiskey, and Honey. A special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, FWHpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday.